0: hello everyone and welcome to episode 14 of the snapshot we are your hosts my name is brennan patrick and i'm joined by none other than marvel snap phenom okay yeah, i'm best the snapshot is a marvel well, Snap. phenom back to phenom can get away from it the marvel snap uh, the snapshot is a marvel snap podcast focused on the competitive side of the game and for episode 14 we're we'll looking at the new season animals assemble specifically talking about some of the top performing lists that you can use for your climb as well as answering a ton of listener questions that came through on last week's pod let's get into it all right cam this is one i'm excited for this week in particular your week in marvel snap sir i mean the best
1: of the besties the best of the besties has been what it's all about. I ran a tournament for my subs, and it just so happens that among my subs are, I don't know, probably the 10 players who have been crushing the most tournaments in in recent memory. Now, does that have something to do with the prize pool that I offered? You know, who knows? Maybe. But this is, I was really excited to be able to run the tournament. Uh, the winner, of course, if anyone, mm-hmm. I, no one should be surprised by this. The winner was Moyen. And he won with a Shuri deck with a tiny tech for the mirror and Captain Marvel. It was a blast to cast. I feel like I want, I learned a lot about how you should play the deck watching him. And another number one thing I learned was everyone else uses Titania as a 1-5. And mm-hmm. she's actually a board disruption tool. The combination of Titania and Polaris is remarkable. If they ever have two units somewhere and you can pull another one over, lock up a lane titania if they ever have three units over there it, like it's she's a she's a lane winner she's one of the best cards in that matchup
0: so did you see moyan in particular he would play out titania yeah. early um and no. then so he would it out, do it wait.
1: all as a surprise okay. it would be titania plus x lock plus up x, a lane. Got like it titania plus a card lock up a lane. Yeah. like he was so much more willing to pull the trigger on that stuff and I, 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 especially because I think, you know, he had the Captain Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. You go Titania plus something, lock up a lane, play a Captain Marvel there to get it back as a free roll. Because the Captain Marvel can go anywhere. You're not actually devoting your power to that lane. Just a bunch of a bunch of good things working for him.
0: What sort of decks did you see show up to... Com- I mean, everybody kind of knew that Shuri was the deck to beat mm-hmm. and was probably the best deck going into the tournament. What decks did you see show up to try to combat that? And did you see any successful strategies in sort of dismantling the Shuri game? Game plan.
1: There were a couple. I don't think I think it should be mentioned first of all that I think 34% of the opening field was Shuri, mm-hmm. right? And uh seven out of eight in the top eight ran the card. So I don't think anything on aggregate successfully slowed it down. It definitely had a conversion ratio higher than that. Now granted. The fact that seven out of eight in the top eight ran the card is also a, like a testament to the people playing it, right? I'm pretty sure Moyan would have made the top eight, whatever he was playing. KJB probably would have made the top eight, whatever he was playing. Like these are people who are extremely talented grinders of the game. There are two worth pointing out, I think, that stuck out to me. I think in, there were I, I guess three. Uh, the first one is Johnson's build of Shuri, no armor, no Cosmo, using Invisible Woman and Shang-Chi. We saw that I I watched him reverse sweep after losing eight cubes in the sherry mirror Mm -hmm. with that build. That is one of the one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Uh, That was in round seven. He ended up missing the top eight on tiebreakers, which I'm very sad about because I would have loved to talk about that deck a little bit more. Uh, The second one I wanted to highlight is a bounce deck that Boomer brought. That bounce deck uses the typical Darkhawk bounce package, but adds Mystique and Iron Man, which allows you to target those Red Skull lanes and go big enough, especially in concert with like, you know, an Angela that can get as high as like 12 power or a Bishop that can get enormously large. Like you are building around Ange plus Iron Man, Bishop plus Mystique kind of thing that's sort of a way you could reasonably target those lanes now one thing you do run into trouble with is you can run into some trouble against Cosmo limiting where you have to play the actual Iron Man and where you have to play the where you can play Mystique that is definitely a relevant thing to consider when you play that deck. Uh, I talked to Boomer about if Kitty Pride would go in the deck he thinks that she would but it's hard to fit her in. Right now, he thinks you might actually replace Iceman, which is crazy because Iceman is like actually just incredible in the sharing matchup. But Korg is a little more required to the core plan of the deck because of the Dark Hawk that you run. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, I wanted to highlight, I think Lelouch de Gaulle uh, ended up in, I, I believe it was ninth place with a... With a uh, Thanos lockdown deck, like the one I highlighted in my video, missed the top eight just on tiebreakers, was five and two. And uh, actually, although I will say, I think he said he struggled a little bit into Shuri and beat everything else, which is crazy because we felt like that deck actually beat Shuri. Mm -hmm. But that is definitely worth highlighting as well. I think there are still, you know, lists to play. I just think in a tournament setting, especially with all these players who have put all this time into mastering the Sherry deck, it's very hard to beat in the aggregate over seven rounds of battle mode.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because I I feel like something we talked about, I mean, in particular, you talked about all the way back in like episode one, two or three, is the recurring theme of that dang dog, that dang dog in Marvel Snap Cosmo, which is such a hard card to counter i mean it's uncountable it's, right like it's uninteractive it's so much better yeah it's so
1: much better now because now you don't have to fight for priority yeah. you don't have to do that anymore priority doesn't matter anymore because arrow doesn't matter anymore and so you just play a cosmo and you don't have to feel bad about it
0: yeah once again the narrative runs back that the the card that the community some of the you know, i feel like a lot of the community will get behind a somewhat of a bandwagon to hate on a card but it turns out that card is somewhat the free to play hero that's what leader was and that's what arrow was because now that arrow is out you know shuri is more powerful like it is a better deck and cosmos is, is more impactful like you said and shuri i mean shuri red school it's a series five i mean i don't know if, did they rotate shuri down the series four yet? She's four okay she has been four for a while so at least it's a bit more attainable but yeah that deck is really good it's super consistent um and just very linear There's there's not much you can do about it specifically because of things like cosmo just completely locking down that lane um, but yeah, I did have that deck pulled up on the overlay here, uh, Boomer Snaps deck, so it's Hood, Bast, Iceman, Korg, Angela, uh, Beast, Falcon, Mysterio, uh, Mystique, Bishop, Darkhawk, Iron Man. You, like you mentioned too when you were talking about but you, you like the Iron Man in particular against mm-hmm. these Shuri decks. What, like, can you dive a little bit more into that card specifically?
1: You need to go tall. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. You need to go tall. So the idea with this deck is you go like Ange Bishop and then you spend your next turn, you know, bouncing some stuff and making it cheaper. You can fit it into your curve with Beast. Turn five, you play Iron Man. You're this whole time. Maybe you've been disrupting things. Who knows? And then you can reasonably tar. You can reasonably answer, basically. Not super reasonably, but like you have play if they go Red Skull Taskmaster. Mm hmm. Because you can contest one of those lanes. It's always been a weakness of Shuri. And that's I think that's why they thought they were targeting it more than they did, is that if you can go tall in a lane they think they wrapped up, taller than, say, like, let's say they have, like, a Cosmo or Red Skull and they can play a Titania there, right? Mm-hmm. That's still a really tall order, right? Uh, but I think if you can go taller than them, if you can win that lane, it's very hard for them to win because they're going to have one other lane that kind of sucks, right? Yeah because they've invested so much in that lane. So there's going to be one lane that kind of sucks, and if you can win that one of the lanes where they put a Taskmaster or a Red Skull, you're usually in a good spot. Of course, you know, Red Skull gives basically plus eight to a full Iron Man lane. Like, there are things that this deck can do that can get you kind of close, but everything sort of needs to go right in order to do it. I don't think this is a counter to Sharia Red Skull. I just think it was piloted very well and came from a very unexpected place.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure if there's many other things in the game that can actually win that Cosmo lane. You know, Cosmo turning off like some of these sort of high ceiling cards because of right. Uh, that's of kind of unravel. the issue.
1: Like that's kind of the issue, right? Like they 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 thought they were going to tone down Red Skull. It's like, oh well, we'll make it. You know, we'll, we'll make it. So it's only twenty six in that lane. But like when you did, we got rid of the plus two. You you got rid of our ability to win that lane. It's the same. You're still adding twenty two off of that. And it's, it's still very hard for any opponent to beat it, which is why you have the Iron Man trying to leverage it even more.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, we talked a little bit about it last week on the off the back of the Nurse, but I think, you know, post-Hermit, we can kind of conclusively say, and it's what we suspected, that, you know, Sherry Red Skull is the best deck right now. And the the Nerfs to the Thanos decks, the Nerf to Quinjet, and the Nerf to the, the Space Stone, they were very impactful in toning that deck down. I mean, we're talking about the deck the deck that was completely rampant on ladder looked at as the best deck not even showing up in the top eight um so just kind of a testament to what the nerfs did and it is funny. hold on now go hold ahead.
1: on hold on hold on kitty pride isn't in the game and i think she's fantastic in the Thanos guy
0: let's talk about that so kitty pride let me just uh kitty pride was dropped and then disabled but she's a one zero and says you can return this card to your hand uh to gain plus two power Quick thing for why she was disabled. It was not working correctly with like the collector and beast and it was crashing. So that's not why she was disabled and crashing the game that yes. Yes. That's <laughs> and, why
1: she was and, disabled. Um, she is a card that you, you replay multiple times during a game and any one of those times can crash the game for reasons unknown to anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Talk to me about why, why Kitty pride is going to be so impactful and what you think you can do with this card.
1: I mean, the first place I put it, I just like I play boomer on ladder and I don't think I lost to that deck. He was playing once with the Thanos list. Now, I don't know what that I don't know if that means. The Thanos deck is good, but like (laughs) uh, when I put Kitty Pride in the Thanos deck, the the Death Wave Thanos deck, what her role basically is. And this is not like a super important role. It's just a role, right? Her role is to be slightly better sunspot that doesn't die to Killmonger. And you're like, oh, well, you know, that's not worth 6000 tokens. And you might be right. But in the Thanos deck, you're killing for one drops early. Mm -hmm. So with America Chavez in the deck you have about a 79% to draw one of the Infinity Stones that 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 actually can trips and with if you take America Chavez out for Kitty Pride and count her as one of the good turn one draws that goes up to like 83%. If you keep Chavez in it goes up to like 86, but it's not actually like a full 3% difference like 83.8 versus 86.1 or something like that. So what I ended up doing was cutting Chavez for Kitty Pride, because the reason I liked Chavez was mostly I want to get my good stuff early. But now that there's less Quinjet to get early, like you don't want Quinjet early. Mm -hmm. You don't want you do still want Lockjaw early, but your ordering matters a lot more because you need Lockjaw plus some stones. So if you don't play your stones, like if you draw the Lockjaw after you played like two stones and your hand is all big guys, Lockjaw isn't that good Just a bunch of weird things, but basically the the quick and dirty answer for what I want to do with Kitty Pride is I think she's just phenomenal in that deck. A, you can play her as a one drop, store power on her when you're passing your early turns, which you do fairly often because you're effectively a deck with a bunch of big cards in it. So you're going to be floating one mana a lot. You can invest that into her. B, she works with wave. So what you can do is wave on four, bouncing and replaying Kitty and then Odin on five, bouncing and replaying Kitty. And then you've effectively constructed a one-sided Sandman, except your Sunspot gets double the power and has move. Mm-hmm. Like, that is outrageous, right? It's just... The, the wave Odin line is actually just, like, just a ridiculous thing to do. <laughs> like, wave on four Bouncing Kitty, Odin on five Bouncing Kitty, and then, like, Doctor Doom plus a Kitty on six. Yeah. And, like, the whole time your opponent has been able to play one card. And then you start to see why I beat the bounce deck so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's actually just, like like if they tone down Shuri even the slightest bit this kind of this kind of deck will immediately crop up in my opinion
0: yeah for sure and i think that the the sort of initial heuristic for it which is like a almost comparable sunspot that doesn't die to killmonger that's a really good freaking sunspot That's <laughs> like, a really good yeah part. i mean that, like, that is is a, a it part.
1: doesn't even have to not always not die to killmonger just like you're you can run it in a deck with your own killmonger yeah that's so huge
0: it yeah. is huge all right, so with the Animals Assemble season, we talked a little bit about it last week, but we do have Hitmonkey coming out to 2-0 on reveal, gain plus 2 power for each other card you played this turn. Uh, Kay, I was just wondering if you are looking to play with this card on day one for your short climb to infinite, and what's kind of an example of a deck you might plan to use it in?
1: Probably. I mean, I think that the, it the probably goes in the deck Boomer is playing, right? Mm-hmm. The issue is where do we fit Kitty? Where do we fit Hitmonkey? How do we value the disruption that we get out of these other one drops? I don't really know personally, but we can become a very ridiculous point slam deck if we have the ability to go, say, Mysterio into Hitmonkey. That Mm -hmm. seems really strong to me.
0: Yeah, and that deck in particular, Hitmonkey in combination with Kitty Pride does look interesting. So Cam, my question to you is, in the early season of Animals Assemble, Do you think that these Hitmonkey decks or the Kitty Pride deck that you've recently mentioned or the combination of the both have a chance to legitimately combat the Shuri decks or do you think that Shuri is just going to be the default ladder deck?
1: I'm leaning, no, they don't. But I'm going to try. Mm -hmm. I think Hitmonkey is the kind of card that maybe I won't feel it until I play it. But I, I, I guess I'm hopeful, right? I think... If they can, that'd be really good. It would create this Rock, Paper, Scissors metagame where you have like these Sandman lockdown decks or, you know, the Odin Thanos deck, right? That can lock down the Hitmonkey deck, uh, but you also have this Shuri deck that is farming the decks relying on limiting you to one card a turn because Shuri is really good at that. I don't know. I think there's I think there's something to it. I like I I, I would say 30% chance mm. that it has a reasonable matchup into Shuri. Yeah. But I'm going to try and find out. How do like you, 30% is enough for me to try.
0: How do you feel about the the deck diversity and viability in this current meta? Cuz for me in my personal opinion, I feel like Shuri in this meta post nerfs is one of the most dominant decks we've ever seen and one of the least targetable. What do you
1: Um think? I think what people miss about Shuri and I'm serious when I say this, is like outside of Shuri Red Skull, it's just like 10 of the best cards in the game. Yep. Yep. Like, yep. People don't get that. Like it like, especially when you have like the, the fact that you can run titania both as a 1-5 and as a board disruption tool, pairing titania with Polaris. If you took Shuri out of this deck, it'd probably still be good. Yeah. But <laughs> like, that's sort of the issue here. We 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 are in a situation where like we have this overpowering combo that also goes into this good cards mid-range package, right? hmm And that is super dangerous.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and good cards mid-range, at least for the past few months, has been a consistent theme in Marvel Snap outside of these like broken synergistic decks, one of them being Thanos, and I guess arguably the the Zabu decks pre-nerf, but yeah, I mean, it does seem like in Marvel Snap we tend to converge or coalesce around nine or ten of the best cards in the game, and then we just end up putting in one or two overpowered cards in there as well, and boom, we have a deck. Um, Cam... I'm gonna head into the bend and snap section here. We do have, yeah, we
1: got a bunch of questions. A us of questions,
0: yeah, a ton of questions. So, the first one here is from Slim Jim 281. They say, What changed your mind on conquest mode? A few weeks, uh, a few weeks when battle mode came out, I pitched the idea of conquest, which by the way, they did. And I think we read out the question, um, sure. to you guys, and you both seemed against it because of the gameplay length and other issues. Now, you both seem kind of stoked about it. Do you think that the player base will be divided and it could result in even more bots? So, um, that is the, the end of the question, but we have gotten clarification that there are going to be no bots in conquest, but
1: that is why I'm stoked about it. Yeah. That's, that's the whole reason.
0: <laughs> what about the length? Do you think And what about I don't the, care?
1: there's no bots. I'm stoked.
0: Uh, any concerns around player based division, two different ladders?
1: Absolutely. But there's no bots. <laughs> yeah.
0: Does it take you to this? Uh, does it make you think that maybe in regular ladder post infinite, that there just shouldn't be any bots anyway?
1: Oh, what a great idea. Uh-huh. They should
0: hire you. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, But I think that, yeah. So to answer Slim Slim Jib's question, I think that that's what brought us over on it. Um, And they're putting effort into it, right? It's not, they didn't just like slap that mode in, throw a ladder on it. Like it's also going to have exclusive um, exclusive rewards, like uh, new cosmetics, things like that. So at the very least, it will be interesting. I would say right now, Marvel Snap as a somewhat more casual player at least in casual in terms of like time investment it does feel like you hit infinite and you kind of you don't really have anything else to aspire to right now so another more content is uh is welcomed at that all right next up we have armand perez and they say for balancing the game do you guys prefer when the balance team tries to make everything broken buff all bad cards make everything viable or to accomplish a similar goal by nerfing everything to an honest playing field i much prefer stuff like wolverine buff over dest- <laughs> over st- destroying a card like the leech nerf i think focusing on ho- leader yeah leader nerf i think focusing harder on buffing uh buffing bats less weaker things would make it so they don't have to neuter their big bad cards
1: um, you want to take this? I mean, I, I can go. You,
0: you got it. You got it.
1: Uh, I think that's a false dichotomy. I think you've constructed this world where you can only do one of those things. And I don't think that's a reasonable way to approach balance. Balance can be achieved many ways. Sometimes you make mistakes and need to fix them. That doesn't mean you need to make everything broken. The point, like, if you think you made a mistake and this card is too strong, the solution is not making more sh- cards that are that strong because the whole point is you think you made a mistake. You are, you think you overshot the appropriate amount of power for a card. You made this an 11 when it was supposed to be a nine, right now. Do I think they need to do ever due to everything like they do to leader? No, but I think they did to leader because w- they did what they did to leader because the community was so vocal about it. And I do think there's like the leader. The leader nerf is like something worth paying attention to because it's like you made it very, very clear that you did not want this card to be around in any way. The people like me and Dara who were like, no, if you tone it down like just a little, it's probably fine. The rest of the community basically just called us fuck stupid. Yeah. All right. And like, that's because Leader was a uniquely feels bad experience in Marvel Snap, And I get it. And because he was a uniquely feels bad experience, they were just like, all right, we'll get rid of that entirely. Like, it is very clear that you hate this. And to be clear, they were right about this. People hate leader more than they've hated any card since. Like, by far. There was more discussion of how much people hate leader than there has been about Leech, just straight up. Like, if you, like, I have had, nobody has ever come into my stream like multiple times and been like hey so how'd you nerf leech like it's always been brought up by the gameplay like hey do you think leech is balanced but like during the leader heyday it was like every day hey yeah. hey hey what do you think about this leader nerf do you think this leader nerf do you think this leader nerf leader nerf leader nerf because people fucking hated the card and i think there was something worth investigating in that gameplay pattern and if they looked at that gameplay pattern and they were like no this actually sucks we don't need this and they were right they got rid of it they don't need it (laughs) like like they were actually they were actually right now did did i like did they jump the gun in terms of deleting the card in terms of balance you know maybe but like would like it seemed like it had a sincerely negative effect on the enjoyment of the game
0: yeah and now maybe they can rotate it back into like i think that like to i think what you said like it was correct at the time. Potentially, I, there's, there's, there's another facet to this where if, you know, they're catering to this sort of vocal, potentially vocal minority of the community that's very aggressive about the, the card um, in the game at the moment, whatever it may be. That's not what I'm saying.
1: Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're absolutely, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm saying that the size of the response was indicative of something in Leader's gameplay. Something very specific to Leader. I'm not saying, you know, they listened to the community in a literal sense. What I'm saying is they probably were like, all right, we need to investigate if something that feels this bad belongs in the game.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: reason Leader got so much hate is because he felt so bad. That's why.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, one thing I do really like about Marvel Snap in terms of new cards is they do seem willing to push design i think we saw that with kang um, we've seen that with cards like kitty pride like there are printing cards that sort of interact in a completely new way and could potentially be overpowered um, but i am a bit concerned with at least so far it seems like some of the nerfs like the leader in particular i think has been somewhat negative on the long term and then this arrow nerf doesn't you know arrow was a really good card and it was probably an abusively good card in pool three like early pool three exclusive um, but like, now that Arrow's gone, it feels like a, your tools and the reason for getting priority has kind of been stripped from the game. And I don't know if it was what I like from the card. And also, it's the same thing where they nerfed it, but it feels like they kind of deleted it. I mean, Arrow's more playable, I think, than Leader is, but still, it's like Arrow was there. It was really important for it to pull everything, right? The fact that the, that the Shuri Red Skull can just play, like, sequence it, so it just pulls a Titania, is, it's hilarious. It makes the card just not playable. But, I mean,
1: um, I think they just, I'm not sure they intended priority decks to be part of the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Um, so we got Matt Lepensky up next. Uh, they say, any thoughts on where I should go to find out, find out about tournaments to watch? So, Cam, what, what resources do you use to sort of figure out what tournaments are going on, uh, what the results are, what kind of decks are floating around there out Whoa. in ether?
1: I watch a lot of tournaments on my stream, so basically if something cool happens in my chat lets me know about it, I'll usually end up watching it. Now, granted, these tournaments usually like, you know, sometimes they're my tournaments, right? Like I I just ran Best of the Besties, yeah? And uh, like sometimes I'll watch a tournament from over in Korea or whatever. I won't be watching like every tournament, but I do know there are uh, there's there are the Battle Arena tournaments there is a list of running tournaments, I think, in the Snap.Fan Discord. I know, I think Braude curates one somewhere as well. Uh, I think he actually posts them in my Discord as well. So I guess you could check there. Uh, he, there I, I, those, would be, those would be my uh, options. Of course, if you're just looking for deck lists, you know, at Snapdecks on Twitter is the homie.
0: Honestly, I think that Twitter is one of the better resources for finding about, I mean, like lists that like you said, but also about these tournaments. They're usually announced and being talked about on Twitter. And one way or another, you can kind of find your way uh, to those things. So I think that Marvel Snap Twitter is kind of a great resource for figuring out. Because it, it is true, the tournaments, they aren't held in like a singular place right now. They are kind of spread out quite a bit and they can be hard to find. But I found in my experience that you know, Twitter has sort of been my best resource Next up, KM, Fall Guy Buddy. (laughs) He presented a longer question, but gives us uh, sort of the way that they would rework Cosmo. But the ultimate question is, if if you can design a card to counter Cosmo, what would it be?
1: I already brought this up. I want a 4-6 that moves a 3-cost. Okay. That's what I want. I don't know if it's enough. Maybe a 4-7. Maybe that's too broken. Because like, when you look at Polaris, I just want a bigger Polaris. That's what I want. I want Polaris, but you bump every number on her up to be fitting the 4 slot instead of the 3 slot. So give me like a 4-7. Mm-hmm. A 4-7 that moves a 3 cost.
0: Yeah. And you think that that would answer the Cosmo issue specifically? And you th- do you think that card would also be reasonable enough that it wouldn't warp the rest of the game right because if you have a lot of these moving cards i know they nerfed arrow but if you had like you know polaris on three this card on four then let's say old school arrow on you know five or six i mean that'd yeah be a, that'd there be a fun is a deck. little bit
1: of a risk there but also it's just like you know th- those are pretty minimal effects <laughs> i don't know i'd be interested i'd be interested in it i'd be interested to see uh, but yeah, just give me give me a way of interacting, being like, oh, there's a Cosmo. Well, I don't want it there. I'll move it somewhere else. Or being like, ah, oh, well, I will use Zabu to play this four seven to pull their Cosmo and then shang Chiam, Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd love to do that.
0: Do you think that Cosmo is particularly broken? Like, do you think that this card is? I always have. Yeah, It cause, no other card really <laughs> operates the way Cosmo does. like yeah. they have. I have
1: always thought Cosmo was like a supremely messed up card, yeah. well, I, I saw Glenn Jones saying that armor was more worrying than Cosmo, and I get it probably because it's easier to splash armor, but I just don't agree
0: And there is uh, I think that there's there's an argument to Cosmo, which uh, I don't know about the fidelity of it, but it's that the Cosmo effect is symmetrical, right? So there is this person this possible downside. But it never- yeah. Card
1: games have never been dominated by someone running a symmetrical effect hmm. that doesn't negatively impact them. That's crazy. Exactly.
0: Um, if you could nerf Cosmo specifically outside of creating another card to combat it, how do you think you would do that?
1: I would start at making it like a four four
0: a four or four so just dropping later uh i mean that yeah. would also impact the shuri red skull taskmaster sort of linear line progression through the turns maybe
1: a four or five i don't know just whatever it is make it like more cumbersome to splash i don't necessarily think you need to take power off of it you can give power to it as long as you make it more expensive
0: mm-hmm. for sure all right last one here is from phil uh felipe c they say stop trying to nerf red skull rework shuri this is obviously a statement but i want to get your thoughts
1: yeah that's not a question felipe i have a question for you are you aware that questions need question marks
0: (laughs) to be fair it doesn't
1: even have a question mark it's not even. it's just it's just it's just a statement it wasn't it it wasn't posted as a
0: question i just snagged it it's also just like oh okay okay, i I snagged it because i was like okay let's let's take this statement and then i want to say okay so
1: Felipe, I apologize. Brendan set you up. I, I baited you. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm very sorry for taking his
0: bait. But I think it's a good, it's a good talking point, right? What would you do to sort of uh, change or, like, fix the current meta? If you think it needs to be fixed. Like, what do you—do you think that Sherry Skull is too powerful? If you do, what would you change? Would you nerf Red Skull again? We talked about, you know, maybe take a point here or there. Or does, does Sherry need to be reworked? Is Sherry just uh, too powerful?
1: I don't know. I'd be interested to like the issue is we'll never get to find out as long as Red Skull exists, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we'll never get to find out until there isn't something that doubles up to twenty six, right? We're never we're never gonna know because like I've loved playing Sherry Vision, I thought that was relatively balanced,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Uh, but we'll never know until you know until Taskmaster isn't a part of these decks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the, the, the Red Skull Nerf you talked about last week, just, you know, they, they didn't nerf it down an extra point because they said it might kill the deck, but it probably would have made the deck totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. It, it can take another point, I think, for sure. Um, all right, let's go into the main topic. It's going to be a bit of a shorter one. We're just going to talk about lists. Uh, so let me pull up the first one here. These are lists that you could potentially use as a season drops. Um, this one is from your Twitter Uh, KM. This is the classic list. You just want to take the floor, talk about this, talk about why it's powerful and why you should maybe be playing this deck instead of just resulting to the,
1: the... Whoa! No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, I made a YouTube video about this list. I think it's good. It's a good deck. If Shuri didn't exist in a tournament format, I would say, you know, this is a this is a totally viable, functional, useful, intriguing deck to to play in the game Marvel Snap. But I think right now it's hard for me to recommend anything that isn't Shuri Red Skull. Like, I got to be realistic about where we're at here. I got to be realistic about what I just saw in my own tournament play out here. If mm-hmm. you're going to play Marvel Snap for money, you should get to mastering Shuri Red Skull. This is a solid, solid, fun, awesome, enjoyable deck. I don't think it's as good as Shuri Red Skull. I don't think anything is.
0: Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, too, uh, because it's Marvel Snap, because we have this awesome, Card acquisition uh, card acquisition formula, whatever you want to call it. Right. Some people won't have Shuri, so Correct. if you don't have Shuri, this deck is reasonably approachable. I mean, it does have Darkhawk, but outside of that, this is a very approachable By deck. I Zabu. Yeah. I mean, I would say, so Zabu, that's one of those cards that because it's a season pass card, I do... I do think it is it is a bit more approachable. If you're coming into it late, yeah, I mean, that part sucks, but a lot of people did buy Zabu because it was so hyped and it was such a good card and its peak. So I think this this deck is quite approachable. So if you don't have um, Sherry Red Skull, like you don't have the necessary pieces for that deck, I think this deck is totally reasonable to pick up and play. Yes. Yeah. I agree. All right. I'm going to quickly quickly go over this one again because we talked about it, but this is just Boomer Snaps deck again. Uh, again. Obviously, boomer snap took this to a tournament dominated by shuri you know shuri seven shuris in the top eight and did very well with it do you think that this deck is complicated to play or do yes you think, yes oh my god
1: anyone <laughs> picking this up will just be like i have no idea what to do yeah. <laughs> I watched Boomer play it, and I, to be to be fair to myself, I've played a ton of Bounce, so it didn't feel super complex to me watching him play. There were a lot of times on the cast where I was like, oh, okay, so he'll do this, 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 and this, but I wasn't able to do that 100% of the time, and I have played probably more Bounce than anyone over the course of like Marvel Snaps' nine-month nine, nine history. I was sort of the original bounce bros guy like if you ever hear this deck referred to as bounce bros that's me that's that's a thing i did uh it like i I wrote a guide for it on in a paste bin on twitter which is what we used to do back in the beta and uh that was before we could monetize any of our content yeah it was bounce bros that was back when the collector gave plus two when something entered into your hand so you had a second angela basically except it was better it was like an angela that would go to 20 and yeah, now we have that, that back in here, like boomers deck adds a lot of beef to the bounce bros. Maybe we can go back to bash bros. You know, mm-hmm. this is Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire, you know, we got, we got, but now it's not really, it's not really all bros anymore. Mystique is carrying so much weight. Angela is carrying so much weight. The original bounce bros were beast and Falcon. They're sort of like ancillary cards in their own deck at this point.
0: Yeah. Bounce is an uh, archetype that I've, Pretty. I've actually played zero of, but I have played against it a lot because I do, for some reason, I queue into Den all the time, and Den plays mm, yeah. only bounce. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is. It does look like when you ju- when I just look at this deck list, I can you know I can think about maybe what it's trying to do, but it looks like just I don't know. It is tough. Like the sequencing is pretty tight. You got to know sort of what your game plan is and what you're playing towards. I think if you're going to beat some of the top Sherry decks on ladder with this deck. Um, coming in here to our last and final deck it's just moyans deck and i mean yeah. couldn't couldn't not talk oh, about yeah. moyans deck it's a great deck i mean this is stock standard churi with this uh this one slot the five drop slot there is a dichotomy between yes. captain marvel and vision um i think that you know some people if you want to have fun you can play king there too but the captain marvel specifically and Moyen said this on twitter edged out the mirror it was the top yeah. performer so you
1: play her on six her to on be six. clear i don't want people to come into this and be like oh yeah i'm supposed to Shuri my captain marvel you're not doing that a lot like that is not what you're trying to do her purpose is to turn 50 50s into win mm-hmm. that's what she does and she does that on six vision is a better target for your Shuri. But Captain Marvel is a better card to play after shurrying a Red Skull.
0: Yeah. So you're able to play Captain Marvel and potentially like a Titania or a zero. Are you playing? like mm-hmm. Okay. So you're leaving that one drop for that that sort of classic turn six. I mean,
1: you leave one drops for those just by the way the deck plays mm-hmm. out. But like you also have these like weird situations where like let's say you clogged a lane with Titania you can drop the Captain Marvel in that lane, get the Titania back, 10-point swing, then maybe Captain Marvel can move to another lane, things like that. There are, there are like, as much as... Like, this goes back to, we talked about how the Shuri deck is not just a Shuri deck, right? It has this combo slammed in it, but it's just a very good deck. Mm-hmm. And there are these games where you don't draw Shuri or you draw her too late or whatever that you are playing as a relatively fair mid-range deck, and she is very good in those games as well.
0: Yeah, uh, that point that you mentioned at the start, though, in regards to the Captain Marvel, I think is like a huge level up for anybody on this list to not just be trying to show the Captain Marvel every time and just
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, you can if that's what your if that's what your hand is telling you to do. If you are given, you know, no other options, you can't. Like, her role in the list is to be flexible, so you can do it, you know? If you've got nothing better to do, <laughs> make a 12-power Captain Marvel. First of all, make sure you protect her from Shang-Chi. Good lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good thing we have Armor and Cosmo in here, because, my god, is she is she tough when, like, you are just... If you just raw dog a Captain Marvel. We saw that happen. Uh, we saw this list in the hands of Browde uh get reverse swept by johnson with his uh special little invisible woman thing and there were mo- there was at least one occasion in that in that in that matchup where a shang chi just ate a 12 power captain marvel and it's just it's just like oh my god that <laughs> is the worst thing i've ever seen happen
0: for sure all right so the last thing i want to talk about here is that marvel snapstone did put out an article where they aggregated some data pre and post nerf on Red Skull Shuri data. It's not going to come as a surprise, but I think it's important to just quickly mention the win rate and average cube rate of Red Skull Shuri did go up after the quote unquote nerf. <laughs> I mean yeah that's not that's yeah. not surprising. We are not surprised, but the data does show um that what we feel and what we see on ladder is in fact uh, actually what's happening. Um but yeah, that's Damn, I'm
1: so surprised that this is one of the things that really tilts me is like Glenn Jones was like, yeah, well, you know, Thanos was sure he's only bad matchup. Uh That seems fine. <laughs> he's like, yeah, there. she has a bunch of other 50 percenters or so. And like, that's one of the things that I asked him about on Twitter. I was like, are you sure those are actually 50 percenters? <laughs> I don't like is it 50% because 50% of the time you aren't drawing Shuri? I don't really get it. (laughs) Like I don't know what her supposed 50%ers are. Mm -hmm. Uh I I certainly can't figure out what the decks that are coin flipping with Shuri are unless they're just totally unplayable anywhere else. Yeah.
0: Dude, I've been playing the i honestly the Shuri deck has been my main deck. Since, like, literally Zabu. Like, in this Zabu meta, I was playing Natty Light. Like, I was playing Shuri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that deck has been... <laughs> Remember when that was,
1: like, an innovation? We were like, oh my god, Natty Light. We're playing, like, a Shuri deck without eight, six drops. Yeah.
0: We're playing... God, a- we were so stupid. We're playing a Shuri deck in the height of this Zabu degeneracy. And it was still... It was, like, still one of the best decks. I just think, like, maybe Zabu high a little bit higher. But Shuri was just... Yeah, man, it's a good deck, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Cam, to close it out... I just want to ask you a little bit about sort of the, the, the retrospective of your tournament. Do you plan to do any more? Do you have any lessons learned, takeaways, and just like overall thoughts?
1: Um. God, okay. So I guess overall perspective was it was a blast. I need to get a shirt that doesn't let me sweat through it because <sighs> if I raised my hands above my head... It would just be like the just the most obvious, the, the most onions. obvious sweat pile of all time. I, yeah. just, like, I couldn't I couldn't live with that. It was so painful. But I do think that what I what I mostly learned was, I think that tournament Marvel snap needs a spectator mode. Mm-hmm. It was tough to get people on screen. One of the number one things. And I'm super grateful because I had like I don't know like 700 average viewers for like seven and a half hours, and of of a tournament for my subs, which like I am I am so grateful that, that is like one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me. That is ridiculous. Uh, also, sponsors take note. That could be you. I could be plugging you. Uh, pay me money, and I will I will I will pay it right back into the besties. Uh, I. I guess I guess one thing is that, that that stuck out to me is like like there was like the number one complaint we received was why does the gameplay look like this? And it's because we had to get the individuals to stream their gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like we aren't able to watch their gameplay in any kind of manner other than by using like OBS Ninja so that they can show their stuff to us or like them streaming to us on Discord. Like this is this is so tough. It's like a really, really, really awkward situation for I would say basically anybody to deal with i i feel like my casters and myself did a very good job at just sort of dealing with it but like you know yeah every every marvel snap tournament right now is going to kind of look you know, it's going to run the risk of looking like it was streamed on a fridge or a toaster or whatever you know kitchen appliance you want to make As far as the joke that you want to make for that. Like, it's just what it's going to look like.
0: Yeah, that's facts. Uh, There was the Infinity Gauntlet, which had a lot of content creators in it. I remember when I first booted it up on YouTube, I was like, ooh it doesn't have a spectator mode that's why and uh, I think that did yeah yeah and that one even looks good that's pre recorded that's all of us recording our stuff and then sending it into them Mm -hmm. and it's like even that it's like oh man we could really use a spectator mode yeah and I think it legitimately hinders the growth of the game because it's a great marketing piece to be able to watch tournaments it's exciting I mean like you said it was a subs only tournament and you were consistent at 700 something viewers people have an appetite for it the game is exciting to play um And it's also exciting to watch because it's very palatable, very easy to understand. You don't need. Yeah, I was on
1: delay. Yeah, I couldn't even interact with my own Twitch chat in real time. I was on delay and people still wanted to watch this. And it's literally, it's literally like it's subs. These aren't content creators. The people that know Moyen are mostly just good players. (laughs) Like all the good players know who he is, but like, that's not someone who is like a draw in that sense, you know what I mean? And like he was like watching him win. I mean, hopefully he'll become one because holy shit, he's amazing. But like watching him win, there were tons of people in there who were just like, oh my God, Moyen is so cracked. And like, that's the benefit you get from the game. Mm -hmm. That's the benefit you get from running a tournament.
0: How did you feel uh, as a cast, or did you feel like you were? it was consistently ac- exciting, like there was always something going on? What was it like casting a game like Marvel Snap versus maybe what you've seen in the past as an example of like watching Magic coverage or something like that?
1: I mean, I had a blast because the co-casters I had were all phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really able to riff and talk and discuss the game at a high level. And also you'll get along with my general personality. Uh, we had educated Collins. We had D money. We had Dara J N, we had Teebs and every single one of them just knocked it out of the park. Again, if sponsors are listening, if you plan on running tournaments, these are great casters to get uh, every single one of them. Uh, like it would absolutely do you do you well, I would say. And in terms of. The games itself, honestly, the thing that was the hardest on the day was there was a delay in in round one that ended up impacting all the way through to round three. So I just had to fill a lot of dead air. But like, you know me, I'm good at that. Watching the games was a blast. The more games there were, the better it was. People are making smart plays and you get to say, hey, this is such a super awesome play here. Yeah. And that's that's usually good. I do think the hypest moment outside of, Yo know, Moyen, for the record, <laughs> absolutely, literally undefeated, mm-hmm. like, like, did not, not, not only 11-0, mm-hmm. 11-0 because the finals were best of three, 11-0, straight up the whole way through, just unbelievable. Outside of Moyen, I think the hypest moment was a matchup between Browday and Johnson. Browde won an eight cuber in game one, and then Johnson reverse swept the entire way back, winning two cubes at a time was it was just an unbelievable performance. That 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 dude is a monster. I mean both of those players are really good. And like 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 Johnson's deck was so off the wall that it caught Browday off guard at the last possible moment. He didn't play around a card that he could have played around. And it was it was a really, really uh a clinic in rogue deck building, I would say. That was that was one of my favorite moments of the entire tournament
0: awesome well hopefully we get to see some more i was actually it was it was a big bummer for me i was signed up i had my shuri deck registered <clears throat> being the uh oh we're degenerate. glad you weren't there then. <laughs> being <laughs> the degenerate that i am uh but my puppy has giardia, so i was on potty duty pretty much all day um but they get to catch some of the stream and i i'm very excited for the future of marvel snap as a spectator card game i think it's great i think it's actually better than any other card game out there in terms of like uh, watchability and it's like it's very exciting (laughs) like it's a very exciting game to watch and also i'll say it i said it once but i'll say it again it's just like the palatability it's very easy to understand you don't need a lot of domain knowledge and if you don't know what a couple cards do or what this list does you figure it out pretty quickly because it's so visually explanatory but
1: yeah if we had a spectator mode yesterday would have been the easiest day of my life (laughs) yeah for sure and instead it was definitely not yeah
0: awesome well that wraps up this uh well i gotta do the outro which is rate this podcast we didn't have a review this week but if you do listen to the podcast on a weekly basis and you do enjoy it the number one thing you can do for us is leave us a review it helps out a ton you can do that at this slash snapshot or apple podcast is the other best way to do that um, there's a video version of this on youtube at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot uh, hit that like and subscribe where right you're there. I think we're like 20 away from a 1,000, so hopefully by next week.
1: Quick. Yeah, we're going to get Brendan 2,000 gold a month. Do that. <laughs> we're going to get Brendan a, a green name in the Marvel Snap Discord that he will never use to do anything other than post in the content creator channel. I am subtweeting every content creator except, like, two. Because it's it's like me and like maybe occasionally one or two other people who have the green names who actually go into the general tra- chat. And don't think I don't understand why that is. I get it. But it's just like, it still makes me sad.
0: I probably wouldn't even be in the to be honest, I'm not a fan of like just posting content in those like mass content post channels. But oh no, it, I
1: mean like just talking. Yeah,
0: it is a it is a it would definitely use a milestone for us. So it does help. And if you do enjoy the pod, uh, we would appreciate it. Uh, Cam is at yeah. On Twitter, at KM Best MS. I'm at Brendan APG. KM is streaming live on Twitch. On a weekly basis, what is your schedule, sir? And what is your plan for day one infinite? So it's like every infinite?
1: day except for Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. But each, each time this last week, something has come up in the middle of the week to be like, ah, it's actually every day except for Sunday and one random weekday. But like, in fairness, you know, hopefully they won't do Krakoa again. You know, <laughs> like, hopefully, hopefully there won't be another Krakoa that necessitates that I don't even bother streaming because it makes the game completely annoying. There, uh, you know, I, in theory, I am a six-day-a-week streamer. Yeah,
0: yeah, awesome. Well, check out uh, check out Cam Switch when the new season drops. I know he's going to be uh, that that infinite can happen in a blink of an eye. I think uh, I he? might do that. Yeah.
1: During the zombie season, that happened during the
0: podcast. (laughs) Yeah, this Monday, right? Yeah.
1: I might do that. We'll see how I feel on Monday. Sweet.
0: Well, that's episode 14. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week.